Welcome into another Buck the World podcast with your hosts, Al and myself. And today we're going to be doing a Raptors preview. What a surprise. How are you doing today, Al? Uh, I've been better. I've been worse. Just powering through. You know, got eight hours of work in between me and game one. And that's just my outlook on life right now. How about you? Uh, same. It's really, uh, I've been waiting patiently to get the Raptors series going. Uh, the Bucks have had a lot of time off. What has it been? A week and a half since they played Game Five. Feels like a week. I, and a half. I believe. I believe it's exactly a week. I believe I went to the Game Five on Wednesday. And oh yeah. Then they play again on Wednesday. So they've had you know six full days off. Um, no travel. Game Five was in Milwaukee, and then Game One's going to be in Milwaukee. So. I'm worried about the rest. Like, I, like <laughs> I'm, I'm worried they're gonna lay an egg <laughs> like they did in Game One last series. Uh, not really for any like quality reasons. Like Giannis said today, he, I don't know if you saw this. He got a nice burn in on the Celtics. He said you can afford to drop the first game to the Celtics, but you can't yeah, that, do the same against Toronto. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of doing the uh, the Twitter rounds today. That was a. That's a beautiful burn, um, and it kind of shows the respect the Bucks have for the Celtics versus the Raptors, for, which kind of juxtaposes the general fan base, which is so, which is kind of convinced that the Celtics would be our toughest test leading to the finals. So, and, and to be clear, I think the I think the Celtics are a tougher matchup, but I think the Raptors are a better team. That might be confusing to people who don't really get it, but yeah. to me, that makes sense. I, I agree. It's just, uh, it's been so long. I feel like it's been, maybe it's just because the Bucks have been out of the playoffs and my my viewing has been a bit more casual. Uh, I should say out of the playoffs in round one. But I feel like the this NBA playoffs has been more matchup-based than in previous years where it was just like, well, talent's going to win out. So, like, I feel like the teams are a bit more evenly matched. I could be wrong, but maybe that's more of a Western Conference thing because, like, the Raptors ended up being the six, beating the Sixers. We ended up beating the Celtics. So it's it's one versus two seed. So maybe that's more of a Western Conference thing. But, and Portland's uh, the three yeah. seed, but I just think it's uh, – uh, there was no clear-cut second in the West. I don't think I, – I think a lot of people would say the Rockets were that team. I'm not – super confident the Rockets beat the Nuggets or the Blazers. Um, so yeah. maybe that's me. Um, the I wanted to dive right into this matchup. I find this matchup between the Bucks and the Raptors to be fascinating um, just because I think there's a lot of ways that the coaches could go strategy-wise. So let's start with the big one. I think the most interesting thing is always with any Bucks series, with any Bucks matchup, with any Bucks game, how is the other team going to guard Giannis? Yeah. And uh, it's, there's the Bucks. It's, it really is as simple going back, as simple as going back to what you said about the Celtics matchup. The Bucks aren't going to run into anybody as tough as Al Horford, or Giannis isn't going to run into anybody as tough as Al Horford for the rest of the playoffs. Yeah. So when simple, you sort of go down the list. 
Uh, I saw Dave Dufour, who I respect a lot on Twitter, and uh, when I used to be on the Cream City Central cast, I believe I did a podcast with him there. Uh, he does stuff for a variety of sites. I don't know exactly where he's with now, but somebody whose opinion I respect a lot said the Raptors have to at least try Mark Gasol guarding Giannis. And it's one of those things you can, where... I don't know if you can see my face right now, but... <laughs> I can. Uh, it, it, your look of surprise, it, it it's, informs me. When I read tweets, I'm usually scrolling through, scrolling through. I read a tweet, and sometimes it'll take me a little bit of back. I'll read who it's from, and then I'll read the tweet again. And, you know, I was thinking to myself who tweeted this? Like, this is just garbage. Like what kind of an idea is this? And then I saw it was Dave and I reread it and I thought about it. I read the replies. I reread it, made sure it was the actual Dave. And I was thinking to myself, maybe like I, I was, I was thinking it through and I'm thinking to myself, okay, Dave's thought process is you did not acquire Mark Gasol to have him sitting out on the perimeter. That's true. That makes sense. Mark Gasol, uh, in order to beat Giannis, you need to contest him at the rim. Mark Gasol is the strongest guy on the roster. Yeah, I, I think he's probably the best rim protector now that Ibaka sort of aged. I don't know if Ibaka was ever more of a rim protector and more of a shot blocker, and there is a, a bit of a distinction there. Um, yeah, he, he was always a he was always a weak side guy. So yeah. so he's he, a shot blocker. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas yeah. Marcus Hall is going to straight up meet you there. So I was yeah. thinking to myself, well, that's not, a, that's not, that's not a horrible idea, but it also is. But maybe that speaks to more where Giannis is than anything else, because, like you said, they don't have an Al Horford. Um, no, they don't, and most teams don't. <laughs> yeah, it, a few teams do. Al Horford's one of a kind, great player. Um, yeah. The other sort of guys you're looking at, uh, Pascal Siakam. Serge Ibaka. Um, Serge kind of has that old man strength, so that's an advantage because you need to be strong. Siakam's oh, yeah. a little Th more wiry. 34-year-old Serge Ibaka <laughs> heard you. Yeah, definitely. And uh, <laughs> Siakam can at least get back in transition and kind of prevent Giannis from leaking out there. Uh, OG Ananobi, if he comes back this series, he's a guy who could get some looks. People will say Kawhi. Uh, Kawhi's really strong, uh, but Kawhi's strengths are sort of more perimeter based and like not necessarily Giannis centric. And I feel like if they, I feel like they would rather just have Kawhi clamp Chris, but I don't know. What do you think? Which of those four guys see, or which of those handful of guys seems like the best shot to you? Well, I mean, it's a really fascinating topic to talk about, right? It always is. Um, my, my look of surprise was sort of like, when I was thinking about this prior to our podcast, I was like, it really, at least in the starting unit, uh, depending on how much they're going to ride that unit, it really has to be Gasol. Uh, my my look is that my look of surprise was more like sort of like uh, it's not going to go well for the Raptors. Like, uh, like, like nobody it, thinks Gasol is going to clamp. Be honest. It's just wondering if that is the best possible matchup well, for them. Look what Nick Nurse said today. I don't know if it was a if it was sort of a Bucks burn, but it's been making the rounds on Twitter. But uh, I don't know if it was just a way to show confidence, like to get to hype his team up a little bit. But he's like, Giannis is just running guys over, so we have to really, uh, you know, 
get uh, you know get, get charges in this in this in this series and you know what whatever nick nurse like okay uh <laughs> but so you know, you got to think that they're going to be placing Gasol on him because Giannis does his damage at the rim. They're just going to let Giannis shoot as much as he wants. Uh, Gasol is just going to probably try to body him up. Gasol is, he's hes decently far removed from his days as basically an elite defensive center. Um, he, I think he still moves pretty decently. He's still big. He's still strong. He's still really heady and smart. Uh, that that isn't going anywhere. So basically it might be, it might come down to Gasol just sort of learning to fall over and trying to draw some charge calls. It has to be Gasol. It's not going to be Kawhi. Kawhi is already doing so much offensive heavy lifting for them in the playoffs. And he's been fantastic. I don't think that they're going to ask him to also guard Giannis. It's going to destroy, destroy him. He'll be exhausted. Siakam is like a baby Giannis. I love Pascal Siakam, but he, I don't, he can't handle Giannis right now. Uh, OG is young. He's strong, but he'll be coming off an injury. Serge is, you know, not 29 not actually 29 years old. Uh, I don't think he moves his feet very well at this point. He, like you said, he's more of a weak side shot blocker. He That's what he was. Um, you know, he's, what was he? 1.4 blocks, which led the Raptors this year. Like it has to, like I'm rambling, but it really has to be Gasol, right? Like I, I don't, it has to be. They're, they're going to have to ask a lot from him. So I think so. Yeah. Um, with your topic about Kawhi's heavy lifting, that moves me to the second matchup that I want to cover, which is how are the Bucks going to guard Kawhi? Um, the first thing I would like to say is uh, Giannis won't do it. I don't understand why people think that. Uh, because people, I mean, I hate to interrupt you, but people, haven't we talked about like the way people view defense, like casual-ish fans? They don't, Giannis is defensive player of the year candidate, but he's not, a great man defender. He never has been. They, yeah. always, they will stick we, him on the weakest guy and ask him to be free safety because he does so many. He's he's a he's a tool. He's, he's not a, a fine man defender. defender. He's fine. He's fine. He's not great. I think the important thing though is man defense is twenty percent of defense. The other eighty yes. percent is off ball because exactly. your guy only has the ball about twenty percent on average. But that's not the flashy point. part of defense besides the shot blocking, right? It's yeah. it's when you're watching the game, you're watching the ball handler, you're watching the defender. So you're gonna see like you're gonna see the Kawhi Leonard like esque defense, the hounding defense, the giant hands reaching in there to get steals. Giannis, you're only gonna see Giannis on defense you know, when he's hovering around and uh, blocking shots, like, and occasionally getting steals. That's just who he is. He doesn't move his, his hips very well. He never has. So my thought process is Chris Middleton's the guy. Um, Absolutely. Uh, and he's already done it in the regular season. Yeah. And we saw him do an okay job. I don't yeah. want people to think, again, defense is not clamping a guy. The only yeah. time you clamp a guy is when you're all defense and that other person struggles. Yeah. Um, I, I would even say, like, Kyrie Irving had a bad series beyond getting clamped. Like, he got clamped. But he also missed he a shot shots. really poorly and he missed yeah. a lot of his open shots. Yeah. It's not necessarily that Bledsoe made it difficult for him, and that's all yeah. you can ask for. So exactly. I think Chris can make it difficult for. Kawhi, I think the Sixers made it difficult for Kawhi. Yeah. Uh, if I'm a Raptors fan, I'm worried about Kawhi running out of gas. 
I know that yeah, he's like, not old, yeah. but he's dealt with injuries. He didn't play back-to-backs all year, and now you're asking him to play 42 minutes a night of high-level offense. He scored almost half their points on Sunday. He he. To be fair, I, I want I did want to talk a little bit about how great Kawhi has been. Um, he you know he he's had 65 percent true shooting in these playoffs, like. Just great, you know, uh, he's got a 121 offensive rating, a 101 defensive rating. I know his defense hasn't been all that great in the series, but, you know, he's even passing the ball. 4.8 assists per game, but also his usage is extremely high. It's been it's been Kawhi's game to lose, it feels like. Um, I think the only task that Middleton should, like, attach himself to is to try to make... Kawhi's shots hard like it's as simple as that Kawhi is going to get 25 plus points probably every night if not more but hopefully you try to limit his efficiency in the series so they can waste a lot of possessions right I mean that's all you ask for right what you want is for his shots to be close to his number of points if yeah. he takes 25 shots he scores 26 27 points exactly uh, yeah I don't know Kawhi's been great. He just he's not enough. He's not he's not LeBron. He's nope. not Steph Curry. I don't even think he's Giannis Antetokounmpo. Um, I don't think he's beating you by himself. So the question becomes who's the next most important Raptor? Is it Kyle Lowry? Is it Pascal Siakam? It, well, for the Bucks it'll be it'll be Pascal Siakam. They'll struggle with him, I think. So that's probably who Giannis guards. They'll probably live and die mm. with Giannis giving up Pascal Siakam threes to help off. See, I I think that that's a fascinating topic. Um, uh, all the Bucks uh, or Dean Dean Maniat, oh, I should say on Twitter, thinks that Giannis will be guarding Danny Green. I think Danny Green and Miritich will be on Siakam because Danny Green does the least amount of things with the ball. On in that starting lineup, he is a pick and pop, or he is a he is a shooter. Like so that's pretty much it. My issue with that is that Danny Green is is a shooter. He's just yeah, like so he'll straight up shooter. Force Giannis to the perimeter. Yeah, which yeah. I don't think is good. Uh we'll, no. we'll we'll see how it goes tomorrow. Um, yeah, and I think it's something that can change pretty quickly. Uh, you might see Brogdon out there at some point. Yeah, um, and. We could definitely see the Raptors starters change. Ibaka might make more sense for them at some point than some of their guys. Um, the Bucks match up. Uh, let's just be straight up. The Bucks match up incredibly well with the Raptors starting lineup. The only guy I'm like in terms of the only guy I think who can like take advantage of the Bucks a little bit, like on paper, is Siakam. Like Kawhi is going to get his, but Siakam presents troubles for the Bucks. Just wait until they put Urson on him. Ben Shiannis. <laughs> Start Urson, get a few charges in, then bring in Giannis on the second unit and just destroy him. Giannis plays 18 minutes a game, high impact basketball off the bench. That's Bucks basketball. Oh man, think of think of the narrative field days. Like oh, yeah. the It'd national like, analysts. Is Giannis even good? <laughs> He's no just, just a player. No MVPs in my day would be uh, playing 18 minutes a game. Like what is this? Like what? <laughs> the Rockets fans would be crying at home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. 
shouldn't troll uh, too hard, but it's too fun. Yeah. So those are the matchups for the two best players. Um, let's talk about who's the second most important buck this series. Ooh, that's a fun one. Uh, it's definitely Chris Middleton overall. Uh, it's you know, Chris Middleton, so maybe it, it's not a fun one. Uh, <laughs> like with Middleton, uh, this will be the series, hopefully, where uh, maybe some fans will shut up about the max deal like oh. it still continues every damn game I, i'm sorry uh, Bill. you're just naive to think that that conversation's but, ever gonna but, end. okay <laughs> like let's let's say let's say he he consistently does what we ask of him which is like 32 like Kawhi gets like 32 shot attempts a game and gets like 34 points like every game like surely they'll be like okay wow chris chris you're... got toasted for 34 points he can't even lie <laughs> It's <laughs> just like what like I don't know what else to do. Even like, if he I, outscores Kawhi every game, I just can't see it. I he, I, I think that some people uh, some people will gladly admit they're wrong. I trolled about Sterling I, Brown earlier this year because I thought it would be funny because I thought that some people were being way too dead set on him being a contributor. I was wrong. Sterling's great at basketball, uh, yes. but I'm fine being wrong. I'm wrong. A lot. Like I thought, I wouldn't do this podcast with you if you were if you were being that stubborn about being wrong. I'm dead serious. Like I can't stand when people are uh, are like that. I I had a moment of weakness with Chris. I I had a moment of weakness. I was like, is this guy worth a max? I had the moment of weakness like that. I'm and, glad uh, in the light. I, I had, and I you know I exchanged uh, Twitter messages with uh, some big personalities uh, who were upset with me. Uh, and rightfully so. I had a moment of weakness. It lasted about a week um, because I got caught up in a couple of bad defensive games he had and his low efficiency. And uh, that's okay. He's going to be prone to those games. Uh, but I mean, what what more can we say about Chris Milton? Like he is, he's truly, he's truly good at everything, and except maybe getting to the rim and bad at nothing. Like that's why he's a max player. He's a he's like the purest form of a jack of all trades, right? Like, yeah, he does. He's great. He makes tough shots. He's very very good. Um, People just want him to be like. I I don't know if they get caught up in like Giannis' deficiency. More like yeah, Demar Derozan. Oh no! Don't say that. I'm just saying that's what they would prefer. (laughs) Okay, but realistically, they they. But realistically, who does he get compared with the most? It's like Bradley Beal. Like, even though they're different players, people like everybody's like, oh, you should be trading him for Bradley Beal. They want him to be like, I don't know, uh, more of a scorer. Uh, uh, I think that I think that there's a lot of smarter ish fans who don't like him, who who are just want him to be more efficient. Maybe they just caught up, get caught up in his efficiency. I, I, I don't know, man. (laughs) <laughs> they want him to be more assertive. They want him to like those pull up threes he takes that are sort of like in semi transition when he gets matched on bigs. They want him doing that every game, but that's not really he, his game. Like if he ball- already he's already doing like more than double what he did last season in terms it, of those pull ups. I think in transition, definitely in the playoffs. I think in the regular season he knew that they could get better shots, and in the playoffs that's going to be the best shot. You get a lot of possessions, so. He's been a lot more aggressive. And I think that's just sort of smart because if you know that you can work it for an open three or a dunk, then why take a semi-contested three? Yeah, and and him being great in the playoffs is only 
going to be better for him when contract negotiations come, unfortunately, for the Bucks, But, like, good for him, you know? I don't... Let, let's talk about two other Bucks that I think are going to have sort of key series. Um, Eric Bledsoe, matched up with Kyle Lowry, and Brooke Lopez, uh, matched up mm. with To Be Determined. Um, let's start with Brooke. Brooke kind of had... I don't want to say a nightmare series because it was a five game. I don't, you know, he didn't I, get his shots to fall. Yeah. His it, defense was still pretty good. Yes, it was. And that, and you know, I tweeted that, you know, I'm glad that he had a bad series because, you know, it should lower his value, but it, I mean, it won't matter if he plays well, the rest of the playoffs. Like, I don't know. Like I, I secretly keep wanting him to not, play that well in the Bucks still win because he's so essential to the Bucks. Like, I don't know. T- to me, he's the third most essential Buck. Like, he's definitely the second most important Buck to re-sign in the offseason. So, like, I, it's weird how I ahead tweeted, of the game I'm I thinking. tweeted earlier this year, my order of importance to re-sign, and it was Middleton, Lopez, Bledsoe, Brogdon. And you know who yeah. replied to me and said, I can't believe you're rating Lopez over Bledsoe? Uh, me. Yeah, it was you. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> yeah, how could I have known that Brooke was going to be this much of a shooter? Like, you can be basketball savant, like <laughs> yours truly. <laughs> I had no idea. Out here knowing this stuff. <laughs> you, you, there's no way you expected Brooke to be this good, this much of a shooter, like, and this good a, of a defender. I there's no. It. Whatever. There's no way. I don't believe it. No matter what you say. Um, but Brooke, honestly, Brooke was so good this year. He should probably be all defense, I think. But um, yeah, Brooke is and- so essential to the Bucks. But like, uh, like he he was still good defensively when he was on the court last series. He didn't. It felt like he didn't play in like critical minutes though, uh, quite as much. It sort of felt like he was like sidelined a little bit. I mean, the matchups are tough with the Celtics, like for Brooke. Like they really yeah, are. I think if Baines would have played more like, in the last but, three games, we might have seen him a little bit more. Yeah, but, but Al th- Horford's just a really tough matchup. And, and think about where the Celtics make their living. Like it's it's yeah. they're they're pull they're jump shooters in the mid range. Like Brooke is Brooke is there because he's like great at defending at the rim and he moves his feet way better than a man his size should be. Like and he can and he can like close out on the perimeter. But like, what's the point of having him in there if everybody's just going to be jump shooting? Even though. The Celtics did get to the rim pretty well in certain games, like so. I don't know, like, I, and I, I think Toronto's stylistically a much different matchup. They do have rim scores. Kawhi Leonard and Pascal Siakam are better rim scores than just about anybody on the Celtics. Yeah. Um, and on it, yeah, that's sort of where it starts and ends. Honestly, um, I think that he'll just get matched up with Gasol, and I think, I think they're going to try and make Gasol shoot. He's done it in Memphis, but we he haven't can't really shoot. seen him do it in Toronto. I don't know uh, if he can shoot. He's He can he's shoot. Something. He's, no? Eh. Well, let's I mean, let's take a look at like his shooting this year uh with only with the Raptors, like I mean 
Here, fill, fill the fill the open the open air time while I look this up. <laughs> I guess for me, I think Brooks going to bounce back on offense, and that's sort of the most important thing to me. Yeah, he um, missed a lot of open shots, man. It was kind of surprising. Yeah, he was just missing open shots. Like, so he's yeah. due for some positive regression. We yeah. might see a six-three Lopez game, which. Okay, so here's sort of my problem with uh, Marcus Gasol as a shooter. He's made 324 threes, and he's been shooting pretty steadily the last three years. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just not that high a volume. We're talking about a guy who shoots. Uh, he shot. He shot in two a game with the Raptors since yep. the trade. Forty forty four percent. Yeah, fair. so forty four percent is great. Two yeah. a game. Yeah, but that means yeah, he's only making point nine. So like, how how much of an impact is that? This year in twelve playoff games, he's attempted forty one threes, and those shots were open. He yeah. could have taken a lot more against the Sixers. Yeah, and they need people to score, which is what's aggravating about him. I also don't think his his form is very good. It's sort of like he looks like the wacky waving inflatable two men from Family Guy <laughs> when he shoots. And like I, it goes in. So like, who am I to talk? Because it goes in. But yeah, like, whatever. That's my first impression. <laughs> so I think that matchup's interesting, even if Gasol doesn't end up guarding Lopez. Um, I've seen some people say that Lowry should guard Lopez. Uh, I don't think Kyle Lowry can block a Lopez jumper. That's hilarious. Like who, I just want to, I just want to see him. <laughs> I, I, I saw like two people tweet it, and like I get that you. Think I think Lopez they're playing like. Threat. I think they're playing but, like super bad games of four dimensional chess. Like yeah. that's where they're thinking way too hard. <laughs> like, You're overthinking it. Like, like what is that? He will punish Lowry in the post. People act like Lowry's this ridiculously strong guy, and he can't be bullied. Giannis and Lopez will bully Lowry on switches. Kyle Lowry is six foot one. I don't care how heavy or thick he is. He is a thick boy. Yeah, he's not guarding them at the post, though. He's six foot one. We're talking about a guy who's going to come almost a full foot to these beasts. He is a a plus minus god, though. So just keep him on the floor the whole game, and they'll win every time. (laughs) But let's talk about let's talk about Kyle Lowry. He's going to be matched up with Eric Bledsoe Mm -hmm. this season. He has not scored a point. A single point. Bledsoe is guarding him. 112 possessions. So uh, he's he definitely has like real estate in Lowry's head. Like I just want to give credit. I saw that last verseism tweeted it, but he said yeah. that Tresky had it in an article earlier this week. Um, so that's out there. Credit where credit's due. Indeed. I don't know how to find those type of stats. It's very neat. Um, I do think bold prediction here. Kyle Lowry bucks the trend. He scores at least one point this series, well guarded <laughs> by Eric Plus. So <laughs> you heard it here first. I expect credit if it happens because I predicted it. <laughs> really a basketball savant, Al. You truly are like bold. That's such a bold prediction. I don't there's, know. There's just levels to this, Bill. I see the game <laughs> at a level that other people do not. <laughs> oh God, um, man. Uh, hey, why don't we talk about former Buck Jody Meeks? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, uh, uh, like, on a serious note, this Bledsoe-Lowry matchup, if Lowry would outplay Bledsoe, it would be instrumental to the Raptors making it a competitive series. I yeah. still don't know if they win, but, but it, it, would, be interesting? It, it, it would be interesting. Uh, huh. And he really has looked to defer more scoring, which has made the breakout of Pascal Siakam sort of essential as they need. Pascal Siakam, I just want to say that. I do not. I think oh, he's really? overrated, and I'm not a fan. Um, Wait, are, are you not a fan Toronto. because he's I, overrated? I or 
Like, I just, that's not fair to Pascal. Like, it might fine. not be fair. I'm not necessarily <laughs> the fairest basketball fan. Um, so we'll see sort of how – Pascal Siakam is the guy who has the biggest chance to make a name for himself because – People start watching who? basketball now. There are genuinely people who only watch the conference finals and the NBA finals. And if Pascal Siakam is the leading scorer for the Raptors a few games this series, that's huge. Um, if he disappears, then people are going to be like, who? First game Raptors, that's, stuff like that's that. Fine. That's fine. Um, people, are, people are still saying that about Giannis because they're waiting for him to get to the conference finals. So that's fine. He's like, in the conference finals. Yeah, I know. They're, they've been waiting. Now they're going to watch. Like, that's, oh, like, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think Eric Bledsoe has a favorable matchup. At this point in their careers, he's much more athletic than Lowry. Um, mm-hmm. He has to be careful not to put his hands on Lowry. Lowry has drawn more charges than any other player in the playoffs, than any other team in the playoffs, except for the Golden State Warriors. So, Lowry's I don't know. I don't want to say he's bringing it on defense, but it's flopping. So wait, game. you're saying that he should be guarding Giannis then? Yeah, like, it might be. Like yeah, I, I've seen go. people suggest that too. These are <laughs> these are ideas that people are throwing out there. Um, if Lowry can draw two offensive fouls on Giannis, um, that that's huge. Even if that's for the entire series, that's huge. Um, but we'll see. Uh, I expect Kyle Lowry to be the Raptors' third best player in this series. If he's any lower than that, somebody's in trouble. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, in terms of like players popping out and being better than we expect, I wouldn't be surprised if Fred Van Vliet makes an impact in this series against the Bucks. I would be. Would you? <laughs> he's I don't been know. Really, he's been really bad. This year. I know he's been. I know he's been bad, but yeah. But I, I don't know. You like, could say that he's due for this sort of like breakout type performance, but yeah, I don't see it. Like, okay, because like George Hill was was super good in the playoffs, and he was much better po- post injury, like with the Bucks. But I don't know. Maybe I'm just thinking too hard. I'm just trying to make like bold picks, so you know I can be a basketball savant too. But you know, <laughs> not everybody I'm can a, be. I'm a little curious if Toronto will play more than two guys off the bench this series. They've been really sticking to two guys. Besides um, Ibaka, who, well, who do you think is going to play the most besides Ibaka? Van okay. They need a, somebody to play backup guard minutes, and he's been their guy. Um, and that's probably that's why Ibaka rotation. won't start. Yeah, it's, seven that's guys so, is very short. They're, they're playing three guys like low 40s in minutes. Like we talk about wanting to get Giannis near 40, but like he's playing less minutes in the playoffs than in the regular season, dude. This is cr- crazy, right? Yeah, it's probably unsustainable. Yeah. It's, uh, who cares? Well, though? it will I mean, be there's, with there's, Golden. Yeah. there's a max of 14 games left in the season. Yeah. Which actually is kind of a lot, but <laughs> we're <laughs> quickly approaching single digits. Uh, let's yeah. say that. Um, yeah. Could be single digits as soon as. I don't know. <laughs> well, well, why don't we? Why don't we make some? Uh, why don't we do some predictions right now? Like how okay. many? How many I games s- do you think are this series is going to go? Five. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I I think it's easy to predict Bucks in five, uh, but I think the Bucks are going to play better than they did against the Celtics. Yeah, and I think Toronto steals Game Three, and that's the end of yeah. it. Yeah, I agree. Like, you know, I I wouldn't be surprised if it if they if they sweep them though. Like, I wouldn't be. 
I just think it'll be five just to be cautious, but I wouldn't be this surprised is, if this is like them. the weirdest thing to be selfish about, but I have a friend that I'm going to game five with if it happens. Uh-huh. And I want him to have the opportunity to go to game five because I'm going to game <laughs> one with a different friend. And this friend has promised game five. So like somewhat selfishly, I would like to go to a second game this series because I'm selling game two to pay for the other games. But uh, so that's one of the reasons I pick five because I, I, I want to be there for the closeout game. And I don't know if I'll be able to make a game seven and I won't be at any of the road games. But uh, so that's part of it. Um, I said an Giannis over under points for the series at 160 on Twitter. I've since decided it makes more sense to make it 152.5 based on some maths that I ran. If I give you that over under for Giannis points, 152.5. Under. Under. Under? Yeah. So. Under. It'll be too. Yeah. The uh, other Bucks, I think, will have an easier time scoring. I think that in this instance, people are so confident the Bucks are going to win in five that they'll actually take the under on Giannis scoring a bunch of points. Yeah. Um, similar to when I set the over under for uh, Giannis points in the first round at 120, and people were crushing the over. It's like eh, he's not going to play the fourth quarter in some of those games. <laughs> <laughs> So he'll play the fourth quarter here. But like you said, I think other Bucks are going to step up. We're going to see 15-point Brogdon. We're going to see 15-point Lopez pretty regularly. We we didn't um, talk at all about Brogdon, which is kind of weird. I think he's back. I think he's had enough time to rest now. And I think he understands that like he, he's mainly a spot-up guy that could do some dribbling. So really, I would expect that he was doing spot-ups all week at the gym. God, I um, hope so. <laughs> All, that's all we need him to do. Like uh, I, I don't. For me, he's not a point of emphasis. Even if he ends up starting, because he's got the better matchup with Danny Green. Yeah, I don't think that we should spend yeah. a whole lot of time worrying about him because I think yeah. he's the. At best, he's the fifth most impactful buck. All right. At worst, uh, he's probably eighth or ninth. Well, which brings us to uh, other predictions. Like they're, it's going to be a nine-man rotation, right? Like who who are your who are your four bucks off the bench? Like obviously Hill Assuming and Brogdon. Miritich starts. Yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised, Al. I wouldn't be surprised if that Bucks starting lineup struggles a lot in Game One, and they switch to Brogdon in Game Two. Like even if they still win, wouldn't shock me at all. Wouldn't shock. Yeah, it wouldn't shock me like even mildly. And I wouldn't have even been shocked if he changed it before Game One. But I did yeah. see today that he is going to stick. Yes, with it for he game is one. sticking with it. Like you know, they might even give uh, Miritich the. What 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 do the guys at Dunktown call it? The uh, I don't know. The, like the, the Johnny minute. O'Brien Memorial Star. Yeah, yeah. Let's try. <laughs> let's call it that. Like I wouldn't be surprised if they did that. Like I think it's Keith you, Bogans. Yes, the Keith Bogans. Exactly. Um, okay. Uh, but back to the bench, guys. Urson. I think Urson's the lock. I don't know yeah, if DJ's Ursan entirely is, healthy yet. Is but Budenholzer's, you know, like Urson's like the lock. Baby boy. It's his baby boy. Um, it's his baby baby man. So then the other spot is does is Connaughton sort of playing a small forward type role? Um, I, he, I doesn't guess, have, like, he doesn't have the size that say Sterling or well, Tony Snell do, but I don't like it just doesn't make sense to me to go away it's, from Connaughton. It's clear right it's clear eleven million dollars a year Tony Snell is out of the rotation. Uh awesome. But uh 
It's not awesome. I love Tony Snell. Tony no, Snell, I do. No, no, no. He's I, a better I'm defender being, and he's a better shooter. It I'm bothers being, the heck out of me. I, I am <laughs> being sarcastic, obviously. Okay. Like, yeah, it's, I, it, I it annoys me. It annoys me because Snell is good and it's like $11 million is not going to help us at all in the playoffs, which is annoying. Um, How much better would that be if it was a three-year deal and he was an expiring next year? (laughs) Yeah. Like the blood, like the Bledsoe deal. Oh heck yeah. I wouldn't be, I mean, it'd still be an overpay, but it like four years is a long time, man. You shouldn't give role players four years. No. Cut and dry. Um, You should, for, for me, like you should, like especially if they're older you should only be giving like one year a ton of money like that's why that ursan deal also looks bad now but we're getting off track um so i i expect yeah. it to be content for game one probably for game two even if he struggles in game one and well, then sterling there we sterling's we, right there do, do we know like if sterling's fully healthy because that's why his minutes were limited right like I think part like, of it was effectiveness. Part of it was a small injury. I would assume yeah. he's fully healthy now, but that's he. He did have a lot of bad minutes in the Celtic series. Like, like, like. Let's just say that like there were a he, lot of bad minutes. His shooting mechanics looked a little bit off from what they were previously because he's usually yeah. automatic uh, below the break, mm-hmm. um, and he just had some misses that just weren't like him. He above yeah. the break he struggles. Like above the break, he's just not as good of a shooter, which is. It's fine. Like you, uh, you'd rather have a below the break shooter from that position, anyways. Um, yeah. So it's fine. Uh, but when he started missing those below the break threes, I'm like, oh, something's not right with him physically. And then I went back and watched the misses, and uh, it was a hip injury or something like that. I think they said. Oh, it. I thought his wrist flared up again. I don't okay. think so. I mean, I'll, I'll trust you on that. Yeah. You probably did way more research than than me, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, th- I'd rather probably have Sterling in there, but I don't know. Patsy has had a lot of good minutes. Like he's so up and down. Like he'll have some terrible minutes and then a bunch of good minutes. Like he was a lot of the he 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 was a big big point of emphasis with some of those great bench minutes against the Celtics. Like I just wish the guy could hit a damn shot like more. <laughs> like it's. People are like, his three-point shots back. And I'm like, no, is it's it? not. He's still missing <laughs> He's... A ton, like badly on shots. Yeah. I don't know if he I don't know if he just has does he just have too too much vertical rise in his shot. Could is be. that why it is that For why me, so it just in... doesn't seem like his touch is that good compared to some of the other guys? I don't know. His cutting is good. That's something. He's the best like, cutter out of any of the box wings. Yes. Uh he... He's the closest thing to like Thon Maker left. Like, he's a wild defender who's inconsistent. Of course, he's way better than Thon Maker, but like, he's he's the Thon Maker ish type guy that we can complain about that will sometimes have like effective minutes. That's kind of, and and sometimes not. Like, I mean, for Thon, it was the majority of the time not, but you know, he still had his fans. Uh, God, but. personal spot there like i don't know like the thon lovers were were odd to me because like he was a bad basketball player but they just loved i guess they loved his like midwestern drive because he's like a hard worker so it's like cool i guess but whatever um thon maker's upside is what people loved about him it was the fact that he could be a switch thanks 
Thanks, Kevin Garnett. I wonder how much that, that hurt his career. It's that he could be a guy who switches on defense and can do multiple positions there, stick with smaller guys, do a lot of the stuff Brooke does while also being a yeah. shooter. Yeah. yeah. And he's probably not either of those things, but it's easier nope. to see how he fits that stereotype than Brooke does. Um, the sort of difficult thing is that Brooke's breaking perceptions all year and Thon didn't have perceptions. Nobody yes. had an idea of what Thon was. Yeah. I remember listening to uh, the Game Theory podcast with Sam Vecini and Dieter Kurtenbach, and mm. uh, they were discussing how dumb it was that the Bucks weren't starting Thon Maker because Lopez is what he is. And in the playoffs, you need Thon Maker. So why aren't you getting him minutes now? And we were about 15 games in at this point. And uh, that's my argument for DJ Wilson, but another story. <laughs> I think about right. that podcast all the time. I think about how wrong they were about Brooke and Thon and how yeah. their logic made so much sense, but everything they said was actually secretly true about Brooke. <laughs> <laughs> um, and just nobody was willing to admit it. Um, I mean, which if, is, the if the Bucks ran a switching defense, like Brooke wouldn't be terrible in it, but he wouldn't be like all defense like he is in this defense. Like, like let's be I, honest. I think that. it's so tough for people to reconcile their prior conceptions with what the Bucks actually are. They don't think of Brooke as what he is. They don't really think of Giannis as what he is. They still think that you can make him shoot. And they don't think of Chris Middleton as the guy he is. They think I of, still like, get perennial yeah. leader. They, they think they think Chris is a three and D guy. They think Giannis is like a guy who you can stop if you force him to shoot. And yeah, the same thing with Brooke. Like they have a lot of, but that probably think about how much that works in the Bucks' favor in pre-planning. I still get. I, I mean, I want to reward the the intelligence of like front offices and coaches, but I think it's pretty obvious sometimes they get wrapped up in these con- like because they, they they live in a bubble. Look at they, Seth Curry. People still won't accept that Seth Curry is good. Yeah, he's like had they, so many good seasons, and they just continually let him sign for the minimum every year. Yeah, and Pat C is a little bit of that as well. Like we got him at a discount because, like, I don't know, they just like they signed, see him he was as like a, the last guy we signed this summer. It took like yeah. four months for him to get an NBA contract for the minimum yeah. because, like, probably they see him as like a like a white dude who's like a sh- a shooter, but yeah. he can't shoot right. But he's yeah. so much more than that. Like, I we are talking a lot of crap about him, but he's good. He's a good basketball player. He's like, an energy guy. Yeah, Every like probably needs it, an energy guy. And you know, maybe that's maybe that's one of the reasons the, the Bucks have been so successful because they can maybe like live outside of that bubble. Because John you know? Horst didn't know who any of these guys were when he was cleaning the toilets at the Bradley Center. Cleaning the sewage. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> where I was going. <laughs> like there was that great piece about that came out, I think it was today about how Horst is, you know, like a collaborator. Like he'll he, he invites his guys in to help him make decisions like, like, you know, the Seth partners of the world, like yeah. who live outside of the front office bubble of guys like Jason Kidd texting fellow players and the Paul Pierce's of the world for like decision-making. Yeah. I, I know I'm like being speculative here, but I, I don't think it's a stretch to say that that kind of crap happens. Like, absolutely. <laughs> um, and we can drop friend of the program, Seth part now because he DM would me one time. Therefore, uh, <laughs> friend, of the po- friend of the pod, Seth Parton, friend of the pod, 
so far should we, now. Should we make that a t-shirt? Like, <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Let's see. We got friend of the pod, Seth Partnow. And second of all, and, and we don't want to forget about, now this is podcasting with Giannis. We need, we still need to make that. Oh, that's a t-shirt. We yeah. <laughs> We'd probably get sued by Disney and Lucasfilm, but oh well. Like, Worth it. <laughs> The three dollars we make on the four sales that we could drink <laughs> worth it, even if I bought three of them. Uh, but do you got any other predictions you want to make out? Oh man, uh, I'm feeling pretty uh, good. I think we covered everything that I think I want to cover. You know, Yachts yeah. points, games. Um, you know, I, I want to. I, I am. I am such a bad fan because, like. I'm a fan of the team, but like I sort of my like love of the off season and trans free agency is I love I love that whole I, yeah, I'm I so love fascinated that. by all the number stuff and I like I'm so I love it. Uh, and the books are this draft sucks this year and like I know that I'm not gonna really like know anything about the guy we take at thirty and like there's a good chance we could even trade that draft pick right after it's made to dump Tony Snell. So like Ooh. Mm. Uh, mm. So, so you're like, getting me intrigued now. I want to talk as about it. interested <laughs> as I am about the offseason. I love the draft. Um, then the numbers of the cap flex fascinate me, but we got, I guess we got to focus on the now. Yeah, we do. We do. And like that, that's kind of where I think that's kind of where our general basketball fandom sort of like, because like, I don't know, like here, I have a question for you. Cause you've sort of been, you've been a, you've been a journalist for a while now <laughs> you've been a blog boy for a while now like how you know we, we've heard from other bucks like media people that they're sort of not fans of the bucks anymore like you know i think i think i think uh did eric say that he's not really a bucks fan anymore like he's like a right am i wrong like didn't he say I he's not a bucks fan well well you hear from like a number of guys who cover their teams for years and they're no, they were fans at first, but they cover the team so closely that they, their fandom sort of evaporates a little bit, which is. Oh like, yeah. I have heard that from people. Yeah. That's not going to happen with me. I don't <laughs> seriously. No, like, I, okay. That's good. I, I, See, but okay. I, I think yeah. with that, if you worked with players every day and they were generally rude to you, it would be a lot tougher to sort of separate that and cheer for them. Yeah. But, I say we come back at it um, Thursday, Saturday, either after uh, game or I will game be two. I will be a traveling man uh, these days. I'm traveling to Tulsa, Oklahoma. I, I uh, might have to bring a guest on the pod. No, I'll still be able to pod. Oh, okay. like, I mean, all I need is my laptop, so that's fine. Um, I'll just be a bit a bit more busy, uh, but we can talk about that after the podcast. We'll we don't need to talk about our schedules on the podcast, but um, uh, let's <laughs> shut her down then. Uh, yeah. Indeed. I'll sign us off. Uh, right. Thank you for listening, everybody. This has been another edition of Buck the World. Uh, I am Alexander Juno at Junes Fishes on Twitter. I joining me as always was my friend, Bill Canzanieri. That's close Bill Canzanieri <laughs> on Twitter. Uh, yeah. Go box.